We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today on Sometimes Weekly, we are talking the Tyree Kill situation, what to watch for at camp, and so much more with our guy Nate Taylor from The Athletic. You're not going to want to miss this one. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Weston, Missouri and Holiday Distillery. We are back for another episode of Sometimes Weekly to kick it off. As the Chiefs get ready for their season, we have got one of the best follows on social media. You've got to follow him. Subscribe to The Athletic. Nate Taylor is worth it uh, by himself. But we're going to talk with Nate a little bit about this. But before we get to that, we have got to thank Holiday Distillery yes. for hosting us up here. They've got their new bottle and bonded bourbon. You can find it at all the liquor stores around Kansas City. We're enjoying a little little bourbon <laughs> smash right now. This is the goat to drink it is excellent it is absolutely phenomenal so uh, excited nate to to sit here and talk with you a little bit about the chiefs been a couple years since i've been there every day it was nice <laughs> to figure out what's going on and have an expert come in here and tell us what's going on but um thanks for joining us man yeah i'm i'm happy to do it I'm glad to be here it is it is so peaceful here <laughs> uh obviously the bourbon is excellent um i'm a big bourbon fan so uh it's really nice to come here and, and visit and um, all of a sudden like in about ten days time from this recording, like I'll be tweeting out first team offensive line, <laughs> second team secondary. Um, football season is so much fun. Uh, I miss you in a lot of ways because when I started in 2018 at the Athletic, uh, you were the guy that that I really uh, leaned on quite a bit to understand just the, the Chiefs organization as a whole, and obviously what St. Joseph and training camp is all about. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Obviously I've, I've watched your guys' success, uh, sort of near and far, mm -hmm. but it's, it's been wonderful to, to kick off the season. This for me is like the official start of the 20, yeah. 
2022 season. I really haven't talked much in about, I don't know, six weeks or so publicly. So I got a little time away, but now I'm here and ready to talk about a season that I think will be quite different than any season before that I've covered at The Athletic about a team in its sort of second phase with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's kind of like the they relaunched or um, just kind of re-upped everything where they lost some key pieces, some guys that were a part of, obviously, that Super Bowl championship team and then brought in some young guys. I mean, I know if you follow any of our draft coverage, those guys absolutely <laughs> loved what they've done in the draft. And everybody's hopeful after the draft. Yeah. You're excited about guys. But for this one in particular, uh, it, it's going to be exciting. There's some guys that I'm excited to see at camp. I'm excited to talk to you about that. And I appreciate what you said uh, yeah, about man. that. I miss one of my favorite things when I was working at the Chiefs was training camp. It yeah. was fun just to get away and with everybody that we worked with and you work so hard with everyone to get away and, and for Matt and I to go up there and just share like a suite <laughs> in the dorms and hang out for like three weeks. It was, it was awesome. So I mean, you don't sure miss you the bed. Content. I don't, but I just miss that <laughs> camp. Like it's just all football all the time like it's so much of why i did i loved football i loved the chiefs i loved creating content and that's all you do up there it's Mm -hmm. all there's no none of the other stuff is going on you can just focus on that uh and you get to be around the players and the coaches more at camp than internally than you do anywhere else and same for the media you get more access to players and stuff right camp you do any other time yeah i mean uh training camp was the time where i got to ask andy reed about his love affair with Nike Air Force Ones. Uh, I remember watching you do the Up the Hill series with guys on the team, especially new guys like Tyron Matthew in 2019. Um, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with just about everybody on the roster, but it is more of a laid-back environment. It is an idea of, like, what are your hopes and ambitions for the season? What is different? And also, um, there's just a time where I think the guys understand that, yes, it's hard, it's grueling, it's incredibly hot, it's going to be really hot this year i've already looked at the first at the forecast i'm not thrilled (laughs) i'm not thrilled but to watch a certain period and know that i'm going to see that in october or know that i'm going to see that in week three and the opponent doesn't know that or the opponent doesn't know all the intricacies as to (laughs) something that's very new to me because i've been covering the team for five years now and i think for you and, and just for any fan you cannot get closer than training camp um i'm trying to sort of introduce that to my son you know hayden is he'll be seven uh later next month is in in august and it's like yeah this is as close as you're probably ever going to get to like patrick mahomes or travis kelsey or chris jones like you know they're going to do autographs again this year which i think is a it's a big bonus for fans the idea that like we are getting more and more normal ish um which is going to allow you know that player fan interaction which i think is so important to training camp but just the idea that like andy reed has a real chance to go through everybody on the depth chart you sort of are going to see a 10 rookie draft class in person for the first time and then you get a little bit of a taste during the preseason um but it really starts in training camp and i just love how much fans have really shown up at missouri western state university um and as much as i don't uh, particularly enjoy driving <laughs> at 6 a.m. up and down. Oh, you go back and forth? I go back and forth just because okay. just it, it makes more sense for my family, um, although gas prices are extremely high. Um, but I do want to see my son yeah. most nights. I do like sleeping in my own bed most nights. I'm sorry. You didn't get the, 
You didn't get that. I went back and forth twice. They would reimburse our gas twice. We could go back okay. and forth, just kind of like going back and forth. But for the same reason, before gas prices went up, they're like, we have a dorm room for you. We can't pay for you to go yeah. back and forth every time. Yeah. So uh, much to my wife's, uh, my, well, training camp is not my wife's favorite time of the year. No. Uh, having no. to handle all of that on her own. But um, I remember there's certain things that I miss and I one of my favorite things about camp. Uh, once every year at training camp, Therese and I would go to the Applebee's right across mm. from the, the <laughs> hotel that he always stayed at, and we would just drink <laughs> like four hours at an Applebee's oh my at the bar, and that was one of my favorite nights. Yeah. And then wow. uh, I always enjoyed that fourth practice when they put the pads on. They always ask the players, like, how excited are you to put pads on? And they give you the, yeah, this is real football. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're excited to do this. Yep. And then one time I feel like a player was completely honest. It was Derek Johnson one year. Huh. Like his last year, he was like, no, like it hurts. <laughs> like, this is not fun. My and body a, is sore already. For a middle linebacker older in his career, just to be like, no, no, like it hurts. Yeah, like, I don't like this, but it's part of the game. We got to get used to it. Yeah, but just straight up be like, no, I don't like this at all. Joe Tooney, uh, highest paid left guard in the league. Yep. You know, first year, last year, we asked him a very similar question. He's like, it's so hot, and he was just <laughs> he was in water. He was physically. Uh, sweating from every part of his body. But that was because, hey, uh, Andy Reid runs a very, like, rigorous, grueling, old school, more traditional, like, training camp. You might read about that more in The Athletic uh, in the coming weeks. But it is so different than, like, I think most guys are used to in college or particularly in high school where, you know, so much of the focus is hydration and then just knowing your assignment. (laughs) It's so different in the NFL where it's like you need to know just about everything and they're going at a tempo that is really fast, and they're trying to obviously get through a lot of the you know player, you know, excuse me, the playbook install. Um, and it's a great time for fans because you know you can see Patrick really try a lot of different things. You can yeah. see you know there were times last year where there was a very much a cat and mouse game between Patrick Mahomes and Tyron <laughs> Matthew. Um, and so it'll be fascinating this year to see how guys like you know Justin Reed do this year. Um, obviously, there's a ton of rookies. I'm, I'm really fascinated about George Karloftis and maybe his potential uh, as a rookie who might start. We never know. <laughs> you know, some things may happen between now and opening day. We don't want to date this podcast with any breaking news that could happen between now and some, the next three days when something could go down. Some stuff is stuff is percolating. Yeah. Um, you know, but I I do love the idea of like, hey, uh, they get away. It is a bit of a of a grind, but it is really team bonding the idea for fans to see people up close. And there are two training camp memories I'll never forget. It was one of my, I think it was my second year and seeing the love affair that people have for Patrick, because this was after 2018, everybody knew he was a league MVP. Now the expectations are Super Bowl or bust. Obviously they fulfilled that, that mission. Um, but just the love affair that like fans had with him and particularly young kids. And it's similar experience that I saw when I used to cover the NBA with Steph Curry, where you, he would just go to every arena and every kid would just be sort of mesmerized. And, you know, you'd be seeing kids in the parking lot trying very Patrick Mahomes like things. And you're just like, man, like this is a tangible thing that I can see with my own eyes that I can't see on Sunday. So I can't yeah. see, you know, before a game from a week to week standpoint. And then secondly, I'll give a shout out to my guy, Dustin Colquitt, you know, I'm sure you know the story, BJ, where he would have the hat mm-hmm. and the kids would ask for his autograph because mm-hmm. you are a dude in pads <laughs> playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Can I please have your autograph? And I always I always appreciated 
Dustin flipping the script a little bit or, or adding to it or sort of paving it forward and saying, can I have your autograph? Yeah. And so he would have all these kids' autographs on his white Chiefs ball cap. And at the end of camp – bucket cap. Yeah, yeah. At the end of camp, it would be full of names. And um, that's why training camp still has some value, I believe. Yeah. I know a lot of teams – the vast majority of teams are doing it at their own training facilities like it's just a normal Wednesday practice yeah. in November. But I do think there is an element of player and, and fan connection that you just can't have at any other time of the year just because of the way the business works, the rigorous schedule that those guys are on. And so training camp in a more normal setting should be pretty, pretty fascinating this year for players and for fans. Yeah, I'm fiercely – I will fiercely defend – always going up to Missouri West. I know Coach Reed loves it because mm-hmm. you get the guys away. They only focus on that. And I'm just fiercely defensive of that's where the team comes together. And those are not cliches. To see those guys, and that was the one thing, luckily, when you get to work for the team, you eat lunch with them. You see all the guys hanging mm-hmm. out in the cafeteria. They don't go home and hang out with their families. Like, they get that three weeks to yeah. all spend time together. And that means more than I think anyone that doesn't get to see it doesn't necessarily understand what that means when it's not like high school football where we all come together <laughs> and we all work hard. Like, these are professionals with families, and you need something like that to everyone to come together. And the way that Andy Reid runs his practices and not that I saw a lot that was different but from everyone from Mitch and everybody telling me how things have been in the past or go to another training camp and mm-hmm. see how they run things there is no wasted time at an Andy Reid practice you will see those guys they don't condition necessarily after practice because no. they are going from one rep to another and you brought up the the up the hills one thing I learned after the first year is that if you're going to ask a player, would they rather fight like, you know, a duck-sized rhino <laughs> or find five rhino-sized ducks um, or vice versa? Like, you need to ask that on a day that they're not in pads mm. because they get so tired that some of those days where they do like the long drive drill, they're so tired after practice. And then you got this idiot saying like, <laughs> you know, what three teammates would you want in the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> just look at me like, listen, guy, did you just see what practice we had? So I would pick like the, yeah. the shells like, hey, they're in shorts lighter practice so they're not quite as tired when asking them some of those dumb <laughs> dumb questions but ended up being one of my the favorite series yeah. that we did up there but you get to see their personality a little bit but um yeah i the guys going up to camp and getting away and be able to have that time to kind of come together as a team like i said i'll be fiercely protective of that just idea and them always doing that like i said i think as long as coach is here and as long as it works out um with the organization mm-hmm. to go up there that People at Missouri Western do a phenomenal job of taking care of all the players and everybody um, in what logistically is difficult with all the fans and everybody who's around. Uh, and to your point, I always – we talk about, like, the trickle-down effect of Patrick Mahomes and that first year that Mahomes was there, even when Alex was still there, everybody was so excited about Mahomes, that those days at training camp where it's like uh, – there's like three or four days where you pay $5 to park. Right. And that money goes to Missouri Western. Correct. The trickle-down effect of Patrick Mahomes' effect on not just the Chiefs in Kansas City. It's a business, But kids. Missouri Western yeah. made significantly more money because of the amount of people that would go up on those days and pay the $5. That money goes directly into the student-athletes at Missouri Western mm-hmm. and things that they can do for them simply because – you moved up and traded and got, you know, the quarterback of the future who's had the best start to, you know, quarterback in NFL history. And we'll get to that in a minute yeah. as we get into some of the topics we're actually going to start no, with. No, yeah. But I, I absolutely love this. But the thing I want to talk to you about, because it's been topical and I don't want to get too much into uh, the details of, of why this is topical right now with a former Chiefs wide receiver who had moved uh, to South yes, Beach. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> players today in social media, as long as you've covered the league, 
how have you seen a difference in the way that players use social media, not just for personal branding and for business stuff, but just to get their own message out there and to mm -hmm. kind of tell their side? Um, what's been the most unique or interesting part of this from a big picture point of view before we get kind of into the details about it? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was early on in my profession as a, as a sports writer, you would see an athlete sort of align himself with a product or align himself with an idea of like, here's who I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be a star. I would like to be the next, you know, athlete on a Gatorade commercial. I'd be like, I would like to have a, you know, a bigger Nike campaign, honestly. Um, in the NFL, it's a little different from the NBA, which is where I came from, which is so brand specific <laughs> and so yeah. individualistic within the team context. Um, and those guys have phenomenal stories that are interesting. I think in the NFL, it's more team environment and how do you sort of uh, announce yourself to a broader audience, but at the same time, um, you don't want to alienate the team. You don't obviously want to be, you know, a, a team player. Obviously, it's a, it's a, it is the most team sport in American sports. So I think a lot of times guys are trying to project um, not only an image of how they want to be perceived, mm -hmm. but they're also trying to get a message out that is not a one-on-one a -on -one conversation with me, right? I, yeah. I'm asking them questions about – uh, their profession, about how they're trying to get better, if they're coming back from an injury. Uh, if You know, if they have mistakes, you know, those are things that you really explore yeah. because I do think you learn a lot about people and learn about yourself through failure. Yeah. Um, it's something that Patrick Mahomes actually went through in, like, October where trying to figure out, like, what was wrong and why defenses were finally <laughs> – Four years later, adjusting. <laughs> this but, creative concept of a cover two. Oh, my like God. Like, if we just. Revolutionary defense. You know, if we don't give up the deep ball, they might make a mistake. It might take them longer it might, to score. We we might have a chance. <laughs> um, so funny, because we, we talked about this for years. Every time, yeah. it this is kind of a sidebar, but in 2018, every time I saw a team that would run cover three with one single high safety, I would literally scream. Because I would go, what are you doing? Yeah. It's November. <laughs> like, it's been on tape for seven weeks. Yeah. The dude could throw the ball anywhere. And um, they just carved teams up because at that time, cover three was sort of the, the in vogue coverage to make the quarterback force a ball into a tight window. Well, yeah. that's not his problem. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's really good at that. <laughs> so, playing back, you know, so the game is going to change. Obviously, people's lives and careers are going to change. So it's a little bit different than what I'm trying to do to service fans or to service the general public about why they should be interested about the team or what is most significant about this upcoming game or this season. Um, I think for players now, a lot of it is here's how I'm feeling in a more unfiltered manner. Yeah. But there's benefits and disadvantages to that. And – I think some guys are more knowledgeable of it. I, I love Mitchell Schwartz because I feel like I know who he is, yeah. both as a person and as a social media, social media presence, I should say. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to get to Tyreek Hill, but, you know, he's spreading his butterfly wings a little bit, so that, that's interesting to watch. Um, but I know for younger players, for rookies, it's a little touch and go because – have you proved yourself? Have you dedicated yourself to the sport? Have you had the success that maybe gives yourself the freedom to sort of speak out? And, of course, in 2020, uh, we have to mention this. I mean, there are so many things going on, whether it's political, whether it's um, social justice, which I think is vastly important, and any player that mentions on it yep. should be applauded. Um, you know, we just, you know, it's July, you know, June is Pride Month. I think 
players are understanding that they have a significance and a weight and honestly an onus, yeah. a responsibility to be um, more giving of themselves if they feel comfortable doing that. You don't want to make anybody – you don't want to force anybody to say that or to do something that, you know, maybe they haven't thought all the way through, which is something I ask players privately, like, have you thought this through? Yeah. Are you sure you, you know what you want to do? But, you know, one of the more significant moments is Patrick Mahomes saying Black Lives Matter yeah. to a camera to let everybody know that um, the issues in the country, in the world, in society are legitimate. And, and, that's, a, and that's a tool for them to use in a way that can reach people um, at maybe a grander phase than conventional media, which, again, I understand. And then it gives me the chance to sort of delve deeper into why do you feel that way? You yeah. know, it was really important for Tyron Matthew, and I think some Chiefs fans may forget this. It was really important for Tyron Matthew for the Chiefs to have Arrowhead Stadium be a polling place yeah. for the election, for the general election. And, you know, I wrote significant stories about that. Obviously, they did a team effort for the first game coming off of their – you know, championship season in 2020. So there are life and social things that intersect with sports. It's fascinating. I think it's yeah. part of my job. And for anyone who's listening or watching, you kind of want to know who is that person beyond just their success, but also why are they good or why do they stink? Or yeah. why is Andy Reid not doing this or doing that? Um, you know, I audibly screamed on third and 27. No one needs to know what that, I don't need to say anything else. It's third and 27, and I screamed yeah. as the ball was being snapped because I just – I, too, was, like, stunned. Yeah. <laughs> but um, my job is to delve deeper into all these things. And social media is a way for players to delve deeper into themselves so that they can uh, share a little bit about themselves um, in a way that, you know, to them may feel authentic. But, again, there's positives and negatives to yeah. anything in this world. It feels like today in days – today's day and age and it doesn't matter where your political ideologies are because i think anybody that's listening to this you get on social media it's just like everybody's trying to drive everybody apart and they're mm. trying to make it so divisive whereas you go into the chief's locker room and there's people who believe completely different things there are people that are on one side people on the other side people right down the middle and sports is the one place and i think everyone's kind of realizing that now where as a fan you could be one of those like i am hard-lined one side or the mm -hmm. other and if you have a player and a team that you are rooting for and that player completely disagrees with you sports <laughs> is probably the one place where you'll be like you know what that's okay because they're on my team <laughs> and they will still support them yeah but to be in the locker room and to see that they can all get along even though they completely disagree mm -hmm. on what the best you know future and all that and respect that people have their own opinions and they've got their own um you know thoughts on the way things should be you know it it does give that platform for the players. And, I, and I've fought this for a long time of, what if players are just honest about everything all the time to the public? I don't think the public could handle it. I, I've gone back and forth on this. I don't think well, in a why, vacuum. Why, why don't you trust people, BJ? Because this, this, I mean, it would create. It would take everybody doing it all at once and for everyone to have an open mind saying like, hey, yeah. this is what they think. I need to accept that. Um, but on another thought, and you brought it up, and I want to make this point about Patrick Mahomes, is the one thing that's great for you, I know, covering the team, and I can say from being around him, and you've been around him a lot, is that Kansas City is very lucky that they not only have a phenomenal quarterback who's just 
one of the best start to a quarterback in NFL history. But to the points that you bring up about him going to camp and interacting with fans, he's also a phenomenal dude. Yeah. Like, just a genuinely good dude, which makes it great when you cover him, that you can praise him and talk about all these nice things, knowing he's a nice guy where there are other quarterbacks in the league who don't treat everybody the same kind of way. We won't get into all of that. But don't treat everybody the same way and don't have the genuineness that we have with Patrick Mahomes, and that shouldn't be taken for granted um, with a player that is one of the most recognizable sports figures in the world right now, also just happens to be a down-to-earth, like, genuine dude. I hope yeah. he never loses that, and I don't expect him to. Right, and and to discuss with him a little bit of just about fatherhood and just uh, <laughs> just like, oh, I know, man. Believe me, I know. I'm, I'm a little ahead of you. It's okay. Um, but to talk about that, just to see the phases of life that he's going to go through, um, which is not just, you know, athlete-based. That's most of people's lives, honestly. Um, yeah. there's, a, there's a way of connecting with people – um, that is that is really interesting, and that I think lends to my job being really you know interesting and fascinating, and, and something that I can always um, you know take something from and know that I'm doing. You know, I'm not I'm not a brain surgeon, but I am mm-hmm. doing something that I feel like you know it's been it's beneficial to not just Chiefs fans, but obviously it's like I have a civic job in a, in a weird yeah. way. It, it's it's I have to I have to tell myself that like in 2020 in COVID times like. I was the only, I was like one of like a handful of people who got to watch the Chiefs practice yeah. and like report as to like what they're seeing because we weren't in St. Joseph. It was just one of those wild experiences. Um, but to the social media point, one thing I'll say um, that I appreciate about players is they are probably more educated now than ever before yeah. because the phone is there, because <laughs> you have the ability to Google, because you can do some research. And I think we as a society should value expertise. Yeah. And people who are in their fields and can lend insight and accuracy and information to you so that you can digest it and take it. And, you know, you can shape your opinions as you want, but just value what that is. And I think athletes are are pretty good at that, about taking coaching, about, hey, this is what's good. This is what's bad. This is why we're doing this. You know, a lot of times I talk to coaches and they're like, it's, it's, it's kind of easy and tough to explain the why as to why we're doing something in practice or why I'm asking you to – do this on a particular play but players are sort of i think flexible in, in a sense to know that like okay does that make sense can yeah. i question it critically can i understand it and then okay if i see the situation and i feel well informed okay how do i feel in my heart about going forward and you know putting myself out there a little bit or just giving my thoughts not necessarily an opinion all the time but just an ability to reach out to someone. And it's weird because you do it on your little phone, <laughs> yeah. but you are telling somebody that, like, I understand you, yeah. I respect you, I value you. And I think athletes are much better at that than when I first started covering sports in any level yeah. um, back when I was in college, which is wildly 15 years ago. But – you know, we won't get into that. Older uh, than you are, so let's not get into that. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, athletes are more informed, which then leads to, like, 
what Tyree Kill has done and makes it yeah. all the more enjoyable. And before we get to that, I do want to say, and again, <laughs> BJ Kissel up here with Nate Taylor in Weston, Missouri at Holiday Distillery, enjoying a bourbon smash with the new Ben Holiday uh, bottle and bonded bourbon that you can find at any of the liquor stores around Kansas City. And as we said, like this is just a beautiful ground. It's a beautiful place. So if you've got a Friday or Saturday night, please uh, come. they have live music up at their Welcome Center. Matt and Heather, everybody will take care of you. It's a phenomenal place to come hang out. And one of the things, Nate, in just hearing you talk about your profession, and one of the reasons that I've always, from the moment that you got on the Chiefs beat and we got to know each other, respected the hell out of the way that you go about your business, is you're thoughtful with everything that you're doing. And, and Chiefs fans are lucky because there's a lot of really good places mm-hmm. to find content. Yes. And there's not a shortage, whether you want video, whether you want local TV, local mm-hmm. radio, blogs, beat writers, whatever it is, there's a lot of really good content out there. And and I would ask anybody who's listening, you should subscribe to The Athletic because you don't just get Nate, you get everybody uh, and all the content that they've got. <laughs> but you're worth it in and of itself because um, being on a beat now is is tricky. It's not as easy as I think a lot of people think mm. the amount of thought that goes into the work that you do and the pieces that you do, whether it's happening on the field, whether it's the stuff off the field that connects to what's happening on the field, mm-hmm. but being able to kind of ride that line of um, – Saying things that are obviously that are true, not getting you know everybody to tell you everything all the time, but not putting stuff out there that um, isn't valuable or is leading people astray from what is actually believed by both parties. Uh, if you're talking about something, so mm-hmm. that said, now let's get into the Tyreek stuff. A Thank little you, bit. sir. <laughs> nice segue right into the Tyreek stuff oh. because. My stuff, like, it's just disappointing to see where it's been. I, I understand the thought of, of Tyreek trying to promote his podcast. He's trying to do that. Is he playing off of the fact that Chiefs fans will be caught up into anything like this? They'll give you the engagement. They'll give you the listens. They'll pay attention to what you're saying about them uh, with all this drama because that's the way that media works nowadays. And I don't get caught up in all that. I think it's disappointing uh, that it's gotten to the point that it has. But my question for you, because this is the way that I think about this stuff, is as – you know, we move on and we get further away from, you know, the trade, the, the trade and, <laughs> and just fans nowadays, like every year, more fans that are following the NFL grew up with social media. Mm. They're following yes. everything that players are doing on social. Right. Whereas 10 years ago or even five years ago, players says something, they tweet something out. The percentage of fans that see that tweet and talk about it, whether it gets aggregated in other places or not, is smaller than it is today Mm -hmm. and it's going to be even smaller than it is tomorrow so for Tyreek to make these comments about you know this is the same I see this Dolphins team is the same as being 2019 Chiefs there's a higher percentage of Chiefs fans that are going to remember that comment five years from now than it would have been if he had made that comment five years ago because more fans are on social media and following this so could some players be overplaying their hand of I'll say it now and Chiefs fans will forget because in 10 years it'll still be the hey, remember, do we have time to run WASP? Remember all these things. I'm thinking that more fans are going to remember some of this negative stuff than they would have if you're playing this playbook of fans will forget and they're going to love me at the end of this anyway. What do you think about that idea of just more fans are caught up in the day-to-day social media, what's tweet, what's said on his podcast, and they're not going to forget this stuff, whereas you know, there's a lot of older fans who might not be on social media as much as I don't say us younger guys because I'm not a younger guy, but I'm on social media all the time. <laughs> there's a there's a duality. There's a two-foldedness to this where Andy Reid, I'm pretty sure, might not be in anybody's contract, but does Andy Reid let you have a podcast if you're on the active roster? It is yet to occur since I've covered the team. Does, it, does for any five Chiefs player have years. their own show? 
No. Uh, Mitch Holtis has a show. He, yep. he has players on yep. Mondays uh, following the games, usually, um, during the regular season. Uh, the Chiefs have their own video department, which feature guys. And they're phenomenal at what they do. In, in, a, in a team setting yep. um, within the context of the season. Right. So that's the first thing. Um, so this is new. And, again, this is a way for Tyreek Hill to extend himself to a broader audience. To a new audience, which is obviously the Miami Dolphins and their fan base. Miami Dolphins have not been good since I've been in high school. Okay? So, I thought about this because I knew we were going to talk about it, and I'm, and I'm glad you, you, you told me ahead of time. Tyreek Hill is the most public-facing member of the Miami Dolphins, which tells you where they are in the context of the NFL landscape. It is yeah. not their quarterback. It's not their coach. They do not have a defensive star, although I love Xavier Havert. Um, it's him. He is the highest paid player at his position, which is the reason why he is in Miami and no longer in Kansas City, which everybody is, I think, aware of by now. And obviously through, you know, some of the reporting that I, that I put in the athletic when the trade happened. So he's got to be in a way provocative to get the fan base ignited. I understand that. Yeah. But that's not, I don't know. Is it smart? his job. Like it, it, Unless he has gotten prior approval from Tua and Jalen Waddle, all these other guys that are going to walk into a locker room. God bless them. And they have to answer for the the checks that Tyreek is writing. We're like, what is Tua going to say when he's got a mic in his face and every beat writer's like, what do you think about Tyreek saying that you guys have the same talent as 2019? Do you think you're as good as Patrick Mahomes? And that's going to be a headline. It doesn't matter what he says. He is done in that moment because of what Tyreek said. So I I empathize with every other player in that locker room that has to answer for what Tyreek is saying, even though it's not fair to them to have to answer it. It's just the way this works. The superstar wide receiver has put the expectations of Super Bowl in year one of a brand new head coach of a quarterback that still needs to develop and in an AFC that is absolutely stacked. So I, 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 I see that like anything that is provocative in today's culture, social media in general will get attention. It'll get buzz. Like I'm interested. Yeah. And then I go, (laughs) you know, um, and obviously it was provocative enough for Andy Reid to sort of have some, some pushback um, during the, you know, off-season program, mm. after mandatory minicamp, we asked Patrick Mahomes, like, yeah. have you talked to Tyreek? And he said, no. <laughs> Since these comments have come out, I have not spoken to this man. Now, that may have changed, you know, because that was basically a month ago. Um, but, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, in a in a very um, stealth way, sort of reminded everybody, they're like, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy that. So, to your point, BJ – Tua can't be thrilled. Yeah. Cannot be thrilled. Now, here's the other side of the the sword in a sense where I don't know if Tyreek fully understands the responsibility when you become the highest paid player at your position on a new roster that's trying to make the playoffs for the first time and you know, in a, in a while. And I mean, of significance, right? Brian Flores is a very good coach. But he only got them so far, and now Mike McDaniels is supposed to exceed where they previously were with you, which is why they traded five picks for you. Yeah. You're the fastest player in the league. So I think, you know, from an understanding that that I have is that when the highest-paid player at his position says something provocative, it will be 
discussed. Right. All across all platforms. So in some ways, I get the excitement that Tyreek Hill has because he has a bit more freedom than with the Chiefs organization and Andy Reid. Kid goes to college. He's all excited. He gets his own show. He gets to do all these things. But at the same time, um, yeah, these comments won't be forgotten. And for Chiefs fans specifically, I always like to say it's it's totally okay to separate the art from the performer. Yeah. Like some people – it's good. Like this is this is a this is coming from left field. I love Novak Djokovic, the tennis player, because okay. he's incredible. He is a backboard. He's flexible. He gets to every ball. He can ace you. He can defend you. He can drop shot you. Like he just won Wimbledon. I also know who Novak Djokovic, the person, is too. <laughs> That's okay. I can separate those two people, even though they're the same person within the context of their profession and obviously their day to day lives. And so, what I would tell Chiefs fans to your to your point, BJ, is Wasp is the greatest play in franchise history. Yeah. He is an integral part of that play. The play does not work if he doesn't exist. Yeah. So take that. He will be in the ring of honor. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. It'll be 20 whatever. Yeah. Cheer him for what he gave you. But also yeah. know that like, if you feel a little bit bitter, because like, he didn't sort of give off the impression that he was appreciative that everything that the organization yeah. gave him or that he was just ready to jump and be his own man in his own sort of new scenario, that's fine. Is his new girlfriend pretty? I don't know. Yeah. We're about to find out. And that's the best part of all of this. And that's why sports is different than anything else in the world. Scoreboard. The scoreboard will inform you in a way that nothing really else will in life. Yeah. And so – if he writes these checks and they actually cash through October, I will give him all the credit in the world. Yep. If they make the playoffs, he will be a large reason why. Yep. The trade in some ways will be successful. If it doesn't happen, well, he will have learned a valuable lesson about social media and what he should and maybe shouldn't say in the context of what he's already accomplished and not having to push someone down to elevate somebody else. Yeah. And my point to that is in today's day and age, that is going to stick with him more than it would have. If this happened five years ago, because more people are on social, you've got pro football focus and you, you make a comment like that in the early part of July where nobody's doing anything. There's no news out there. Everyone in the world is going to aggregate that story. That is going to be quote mm-hmm. graphic by every media entity yeah. out there, and it probably was. It'd be great for his podcast, but to your point, if it comes through, legend, yeah. like you're going to be the one who called your shot, and you were first, and you were right, and people should give him his credit for that. But if you're not, it's going to follow you, and that's just a lot yeah. to, to put on you. So what, what you want is substance and sizzle. Yeah. We don't know if we don't know where this is gonna go. And, that, and the that, Dolphins didn't do any favors by tweeting out the here's a bomb from Tua and he's like stops for two seconds and catches it. That's, it wasn't it wasn't bad great. social media it, execution. It, it wasn't great. It, it's um, it's 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 beautiful because you know as someone as 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 people who generate content for an audience for readers for fans, it's like I want it to be entertaining, but I want you to have things that you can really take away and tangibly hold on to and know that are facts that are reasonable yeah. that are well reported that I took my time and effort to do. Um, and yeah, like 
that's the best combination. You want to hear the sizzle from the steak, and then you want to taste yeah. it, and it actually be good. And she's rest assured, Alex and Gabby, your social media, you're in good hands. You will not have that kind of mistake with the Chiefs social media team. But I want to, I want to pivot. We were talking about Tyreek for a little bit because I want to talk more personal uh, with you because these things I used to think about, especially the year they won the Super Bowl, and mm -hmm. just growing up a Chiefs fan and just being like, holy cow, like we've got a front row seat to a season that is going to be remembered forever. Is the fact that you're on this beat and you're around these guys every day and you're talking about one of the two or three best coaches in NFL history, you're getting to talk to this guy multiple times a week, the best tight end to ever play the game when it's all said and done, and the best start to a career for a quarterback in NFL history. Does it dawn not, on you I ever? Mean, pressure. That you, I mean, I feel so much pressure. It's not even about pressure. It's just, <laughs> do you ever sit back and you're like, you know, somebody who got into sports and loves sports wanted to cover a team that mm -hmm. in 20 years when you look back you're going to be at like every hall of fame induction for all these guys and if you're like holy cow i am going to be telling stories of these guys for my entire life because of how good they are relative to the sport that they're playing yeah. you're talking about three guys that will be in the conversation of the best ever and granted mahomes is early in his career travis kelsey's in that travis kelsey rob gronkowski that is the conversation right for a best tight end to ever play the game and then on the coaching side, Andy Reid wins a couple more Super Bowls. He's going to be at Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, John, uh, Don Shula, those guys. Mm -hmm. He's already in that conversation. Do you ever step back and be like, I'm covering these guys every day. I'm around these guys three, four days a week. It, I don't try to think about it a ton, but um, I'm glad you asked me because I'm, I'm born and raised from Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So it's a little different for me. You know, um, when I covered the Indiana Pacers, and 2015, 2016, 2017, it was like, oh, that's Larry Bird. Larry Bird <laughs> is the president, basketball operations. You know, obviously, Paul George was their star player at the time. Like, I had to, you know, really dive into the history of both the city and the franchise. Well, I don't have to do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the athletic called me. It was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm forever grateful and appreciative that they have given me the opportunity to cover this team. But they knew that, like... I had watched this team my entire life. You know, my father, Michael Taylor, um, he saw their he saw their first game when they moved in 69. Like, so it's been in my family since the team's been here. You know, it's funny. I talked to my dad about Arrowhead, the idea that it's going into its 50th season, um, just the memories we had. You know, um, I always think about my dad in a lot of ways because he, he, you know, when I was a kid, he was an architect. So... He spent his money for that Monday night game or that season opener. And it's funny because you look at inflation and all the numbers now, and it <laughs> yeah. seems like it pales in comparison. But, you know, it's like those are real experiences. Those are real father-son experiences. And, like, I was obviously excited at the time, but was I grateful at the time? Well, now there's this whole added layer to it because um, not only did we enjoy that, but, like, I – can just about remember everything in this franchise's history, whether I experienced it for myself or through my dad, who has this sort of you know encyclopedic brain, yeah. uh, because he loves football so much. So, in a lot of ways, when I called my dad in 2018 and said, "Hey, uh, I got this great opportunity. Like, I'm going to cover the Kansas City Chiefs," I think it was shocking for both people on the phone because the only reason why I wanted to get into sports writing is because this is a job. Like, people do this for a living. Like, mm -hmm. they get to cover athletes and write about it and, like, travel and, like, see the see the events. Like, you know, so there are some people that are like, man, 
what was it like to see Muhammad Ali in his heyday? Or what was it like to see, you know, Michael Jordan? Like, <laughs> some people tell me, like, you're covering Jordan. I'm like, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, let's no, you are. Like, like, <laughs> but I'm, try, I'm trying to chronicle all this to the best of my ability, but it yeah. does help that, like, I have a real understanding of what 19 was, yep. of trying to repeat in 20. Um, you know, a lot of people came up to me um, in the offseason of our colleagues, of our friends in the media that sort of said, like, how did you know what to write after the Bills game? Because it was chaotic. It was back and forth. It was yeah. sort of, you know, you didn't know where it was going to go. I feel for beat writers in those moments because you're scrapping only, everything that you're Because I only have a, a short amount of time, and you want yeah. people to relive the moment, and you want them to feel what they felt, but with all the information, with all the context, yep. with all the details that led to it or that explain it. Um, and, you know, People were like, how did you figure that out? And I was like, because I've seen every I've seen every playoff game in the modern history yeah. of this team. Like, I still remember the day when my dad was so happy that they traded for Joe Montana uh -huh. and everything was good. Like, I remember my dad being like, everything's going to change. The game that Joe Montana and the Chiefs <laughs> played against Steve Young and the 49ers at Arrowhead, like, I will remember that. Yeah, like, I remember the buildup to it. I remember listening yeah. to one on one the Fox with my dad. We'd get off on 87th Street. We'd go down to the McDonald's that we would always go to right <laughs> out 435. We would go down and park yeah. in the same area. A high school football team at Blue Valley was parking cars. Like, mm -hmm. it was their fundraiser. Like, you remember those things. And, and I love the story um, about just how, and I've talked about the generational fandom. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's like that across the NFL, but it, I just, because of the atmosphere of Arrowhead and tailgating and just being in the game and, and, and the thought that, you know, Chiefs fans don't go to Arrowhead to watch a game. They go to participate <laughs> in the game. And you talk about those legendary moments. You talk about Wasp. For me, the play that I think will go down that I will never forget that I think is the most important play from the Super Bowl run was the fake punt, Daniel Sorensen tackle. Ooh. That changed everything and the momentum of that game. To, to this day, Bill O'Brien doesn't have a job because of that one play. Yeah. Because of that one decision. It it's the most heads up play and it'll it'll always be like a footnote. And in he it. Pointed, if and you he, go back and watch that game, yes. They get that touchdown and then the fumble on the kickoff. And then as soon as they fumbled the kickoff, I'm like, we just won the game. The like, game's over. There's yeah. no way Houston can come back from this because it just opened the door and you just woke the cheat. You woke Mahomes up. You woke these guys right. up. Uh, and anything that happened before that didn't matter. One of, one of my favorite memories of that play from that game was Daniel Sorensen making this, like, seeing it, kind of understanding that, like, that doesn't look right based on what I've watched on film and, like, what, like, oh, my God. And obviously it's Justin Reed, yeah. by the way. <laughs> he should ask, he should do a really in-depth uh, breakdown on that play. We, we, we've talked about it a little bit. <laughs> he doesn't really want to go there, BJ. Shocking. <laughs> but like asking Christian Coria about Steve Atwater. But he makes. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, he makes the tackle, and then this is where training camp is important. I don't think Tyron Matthew knew who Dan Swanson was. I think Dan Sorensen knew who Tyron Matthew was because obviously Tyron Matthew was yep. an exceptional player from probably the moment he put on cleats. Um, but Daniel Sorensen makes, you know, arguably one of the plays of the game, one of the plays of winning a Super Bowl run and points to his head, mm -hmm. which is Tyron Matthew's thing that he sort of, you know, galvanized the whole defenses of like, I'm too smart. I've done the film study. Don't run the same plays against me. Like, I already know. Come up with something new. Yeah. Um, 
And them acknowledging one another because they really didn't know who they were. They didn't really know who they were as teammates until training camp. And you spend all that time together, and now you could see the star player having an imprint on the role player and the role player rising to the moment and reflecting the things to the to the star player. It was – I mean, I remember writing about that, but, like, that was a moment where, like, just those, like, sort of Disney-like moments were like, oh, that's a championship. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And and I don't know if it was that play, and I probably wasn't that play, but there was the the clip in 65 TBT, and Dane and those guys got the shot. Uh, they had the camera on uh, Tyron, and he points over. He's like, that's the guy who made the play. Like, put the camera on that dude, pointing to Sorensen <laughs> yeah. uh, on another play that must have happened. But the other thing that I remember about those two's relationship is the Super the night before the Super Bowl, Tyron took the picture of Sorensen watching film. By himself. Uh, by himself in the room. And everyone's like, oh, that's really cool. Sorensen's really studying before the game. Sorensen did that from the time he was a rookie. He used to sit in the player workroom, which back then they've changed it. It's now Dr. T's office um, <laughs> down there. But it used to be the player workroom. Now they all have iPads and they don't need those. But they had film rooms. Mm. And I remember walking by the it projectors. all the time because it was outside of, like, the locker room to PR, that back hallway. Uh, you could walk by and the door was always open. That I always saw Sorensen sitting in there watching film from the time that he was a rookie. There were very few times that I ever walked by down that hallway mm. and didn't see him sitting there watching film. That was that dude from the beginning. So mm. when he gets an opportunity, I know a lot of people have different feelings about him but well, when players it mattered, players ebbs and flows yeah, like that, mattered, that was his peak the dude made the biggest yeah. play and like you said points to his helmet and so all of that to say the picture of tyron you know taking a picture of him before the super bowl fast forward the next year there's a screenshot of his hands up and our guy josh tweets it out all the time and everyone was using that of like tyron doesn't like Sorensen because he was frustrated in that one play like he could be frustrated and throw his hands up that has nothing to do with their relationship that has nothing to do with it's anything. The, it's there. The heat I've of, made that point a lot. It's the heat of battle. It, it, some of it could be coverage based too, yeah. um, because teams started to figure out ways to, you know, exploit weaknesses or sort of pinpoint. The other guys are on scholarship too. Yeah, Sorensen <laughs> and, and different matchups. Um, and look, there were times where Tyron felt like he wasn't used in the best way. Not right. saying it's the wrong call from Spagnolo, but like 
these two people can have disagreements about that's how we cover every the ath- Buffalo Bills. Who every are really, athlete ever is going to be competitive at that level. Yeah, and who's have really thought, so. Buffalo Bills really good yeah. at football. Josh Allen incredible. Yeah, like, he's pretty good too. Pretty good. Like Dawson Knox, like not bad. Um, yeah. Gabriel Davis really good. Um, they they are so good. Uh, the the other thing about just the job and understanding that like. Again, there's there's a responsibility, there's an ethics to it. I want to get things right. Um, I'm not a fan. I, I make I try to make that clear to everybody. I Clark Hunt does not cut my checks. I got to be a fan. That that was the that was the beauty of yeah. of my background and coming up and, and not to jump in real quick, but you brought up like kind of how you got started in this. I didn't go to the traditional route. I wasn't covering a beat. I was creating like content on blogs about the Chiefs. And when they called like, mm-hmm. hey, do you want to come work for us? Like, I'm going to be a digital cheerleader. Like, hell yeah, I'll go root. Like, everybody's I was optimistic is- anyway. This is a perfect thing for me because I understood. Like, I was creating content in 2008, 2009, yeah. 10. Like, they were not good. <laughs> and so, like, Andy Reid comes and all of a sudden they're winning all the time. They start two and three and, you know, everybody wants everybody fired. And it's like, hold on a second. Right, like, yeah. Hey, whoa, whoa. Every, anyway, every- yeah, it. Yeah, everybody's path is compelling um, for how they get to where they are in their careers, and and obviously I, I, I value, uh, you know, just the heck out of you, man. And you just want to be more knowledgeable. And what I tell fans, and I think this analogy has been pretty true for me, um, is like, in a lot of ways, you're just you're deep sea diving. There's so much information. It is an ocean of what they're trying to do, what the other team's trying to do, why a player is successful, why he isn't successful, contracts disputes, which is kind of going on right now. Like, why does this player make this versus why does that player make that? How do you draft a player? How do you grade a player? Like, they're like I've only done like a quarter. Yeah. And <laughs> so, camp's the worst. Camp's the <laughs> hardest thing to cover because you watch it, you watch one-on-ones with the players over here and you got OLD all one-on-ones yeah. over here and yeah. you can't watch everything. And you tweet out one play. I was like, oh, so-and-so looked great on this play. And then they screw up later in practice. <laughs> They're like, well, you said they had a good practice. I'm like, they had a good play. And then they, yeah. the other guy won. Right. Uh, beauty of being Chiefs.com is that everybody had a great day. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like defense does off. Patrick Holmes who's four interceptions is like defense was awesome today. Yeah. I, I think I – think, <laughs> What I hope is that a lot of the guys uh, obviously respect me when I ask oh, yeah. them a question. Obviously, I want them to have a general sense that, like, I care, that I'm trying to do my own homework. Obviously, I don't have all the information. Yeah. Kind of why I'm asking you the question. And hopefully, you know, we all learn something. Yep. You know, that's something that Therese was so passionate about and, and was so great at was just like, look, I'm not trying to, to, like, press you. I'm not trying to, like, be a cheerleader either, but, like, I'm just trying to be fair and I'm trying to like gain knowledge and so that I can disseminate it to people that really, to like people that matter. You know, you, you talk to some players and like their own family members don't even know their own stories or, you know, sometimes the coach will be like, you know, I didn't think about it this way, but it connects to the player. And now we have, you know, there's multiple sides to any story into, into how we all perceive things and what is accurate and what is truth. And you're trying to find it. Um, so, I think a lot of guys on the team understand that, like, hopefully when I ask the question, it's in a respectful manner, yeah. um, and hopefully there's a respectful response. And then when there's a back and forth, it's like, well, hey, like, here's the reasons why. Um, but hopefully uh, what they know about me is that I'm from here and that I totally understand what the fan is feeling. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to have an idea of what the player's feeling 
and the fan is feeling. I'm trying to connect the two. I'm trying to inform the two in a lot of ways. You know, yep. it's okay for some guys to be like, well, what did fans think about this? Yep. And it's like, well, Chris, you probably shouldn't have told everybody that, like, them selling their tickets to a Minnesota Vikings fan who's never been to Arrowhead before might not go well publicly. You know, some fans financially gained a benefit, yeah. and I'm – it's really good to watch a game on TV, dude. Yeah. So you might not want to say that next time. Or, hey, maybe you want to use that as motivation and you can sort of suggest that in its own way. But, like, that was a real thing in 2019 where it's like, well, Patrick's not playing. Matt Moore's the starter because of Patrick's injury. Yep. The, all the Viking fans came down because it's I-35. Have you seen a Twins-Royals <laughs> series? Yeah. I've done it in the opposite. So, like, you know, it's okay to understand, like, your frustration but like do you understand like they might be frustrated by what you say which is obviously yeah. all the things we're talking about so that's why you're so great the thoughtfulness you put into that whole dynamic makes sense because in a vacuum from a high level i don't necessarily disagree with chris he wants to rally behind right we gotta try it's a hard. home game everybody's got to help everybody's got to chip in a little yeah, bit more right. we don't have Mahomes. but at the same time i'm not going to tell like the father who's got you know four season tickets that it's like listen i could pay for a third of my season tickets by putting these on the secondary market mm -hmm. and selling those to Vikings fans. And it, that helps my family in a very tangible way. Right. So you, it's like, you understand both sides, but your ability to tell that story to where, and that's to your point, Therese was so good at being able to take sensitive things to where you think that both sides are at each other and he could write it and both sides would be cool with what he wrote. Mm -hmm. And it was valuable for the fans to get an insight onto what both sides were thinking Yes. and the trust for players to be able to speak freely and not feel like something's going to be taken out of context or some, you know, uh, quote is going to end up on a quote graphic saying that, <laughs> that was intentional. But it's that, so, you know, it's so they're, great. They're as good as the 2019 so Chiefs uh, that the Dolphins are, what Tyreek said. But, um, but, but hey, yeah. fan, sir, madam, if you could be the highest at what you do, oh, yeah. would you would you do it? Highest played player in NFL history. And that's the, the point you made, that I made from the beginning, from the moment they made that trade. Like, never, and we're seeing it with Orlando mm -hmm. Brown right now, never in the history of sports outside of quarterbacks is an entire fan base going to be all on board with making a player the highest paid in NFL history at his position. It doesn't matter if it's Tyreek Hill. It doesn't matter if it's Orlando Brown. I said quarterback would be a little bit different. Maybe, but, maybe if he was Aaron Donald. Fair. <laughs> That's generational the, that's the one example I could give guys best player in NFL history <laughs> in his position. Um, but again it's the market it's the timing right. of when these things happen right uh, they're not going to blame the player for getting it right um, you know who's not upset about anything right now Sam Bradford that guy made more Legend. money I think than any other quarterback Legend. in NFL history Nick Foles Nick Chase Daniel like he no. just everybody plays it different ways yeah. and it's, it's blind luck and that's why when players go into that unrestricted free agency healthy and they're 26 years old I'm happy I don't care who the player is or where mm -hmm. they play if they're a genuinely good dude like just more power to you because you put all decades you know 15 20 years of your life into this sport sure. to be in that position to set up your family and your generations of your family financially for good uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna share something i knew for weeks that traverse ward was not coming back to the team okay um he was good he is a starting caliber cornerback in a pass happy nfl in one stroke of a pen to my understanding traverse ward gained more money than he had throughout his entire run with the team yeah. financially based on guaranteed dollars to play for the San Francisco 49ers. Very good team contender made all the sense in the world. 
I knew for weeks he was not returning to the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs probably knew that. Even yeah. though the player is available, his services are available for all 32 teams as an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Um, but depending on needs, who has money, salary cap, all these different things, um, it was clear that Traveris wanted to go to a winner, to a team where he thought he could compete for a championship because he had come from the Chiefs' culture. But I, I knew for a while that he was not returning. And he also made significant NFL starting cornerback money yep. as an undrafted free agent who was traded right after training camp to the team and against all odds made it work. Yeah. Like Charvarius Wars rise from middle Tennessee to being less recruited to kind of figuring out, can I even make it in the league? Will I be invited to the combine? Will I have a chance? You know, the Cowboys made a terrible trade. They probably should have kept him knowing Parker their anger, knowing that, their that, roster. That's what led to Travis Ward and then a comp pick. And you just follow the value. Yeah. And he was a starter in his second year, won the Super yep. Bowl, um, got his, he has gotten better every year in his career. So that helps you as a free agent. Um, but again, I just hope the fans understand that, you know, it's yep. not that Travis Ward didn't want to play for the chiefs. It's just the 49ers, with their resources, had a greater need and offered him more money than the Chiefs could at a similar position, and now you have Trent McDuffie because of that. Yep. So there's there's a whole landscape. There's a business element to it, which is what I love more than college. I hate it <laughs> covering college sports because it's like, what is this? Yeah. This is Especially now. It like I can't even imagine. Well, it's it now. getting a little bit more interesting now well, than when true. I did it. But I was just like, so you telling me he can't do anything? Nothing? Like, what? Uh, whereas, like, Javarius Ward made a decision on his agency for his career, and it's yeah. totally understandable. And now the team has to make a decision in another way, and sometimes, you know, players and teams make it work. That is the Travis Kelsey story. I've written about that several yep. times. He's never been the highest-paid tight end in his career. Kind of wild. Um, but nice. he but he values where he is with the organization and the fact that Andy Reid took him as a third-round pick. When it was kind of kind of shaky going into the draft, given yeah. he was kicked off of Cincinnati, so there's every guy has a story. Again, everybody's path is compelling in its own way. Um, so it's my job to sort of, you know, lend that information as best I can. But I'll be, you know, I'm really interested to see how Traverius plays. But again, like this is this is my yeah. job. You understand situations, and then you try to accurately depict them. My, um, based on your understanding. My favorite Travis Kelsey story, and this has been told dozens of times, but draft day, he gets a call. He's like the 816 number and thought it was St. Louis. And he Yo. was so pissed. He's like, I don't want to answer the phone. Like, I don't want to play for St. Louis. Like, he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, just, just Co- Coach, is that you? <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> and, he, and he, and like, the best thing about Travis Kelsey is like, he will, in, like, he'll intimate it all over you. Oh, yeah. Like, he'll, like, he'll go right back to being like, Andy Reid, co- coach? Like, he's going to be so good. Not the golf stuff that he's doing with Mahomes. Like, yeah. He's going to be so good at media as soon as he's done. Like, Travis is going to be great at whatever yeah. he does. I want to move on to the next topic because we got a couple more. And we, <laughs> I know. We, we, we can go all day. That's great. I can talk to you all day long about this <laughs> stuff. Uh, and if you like this, get in the comment section. Let us know you want Nate coming back. Uh, if, you like this, uh, if you like this conversation or social media, let us know. Um, but the next thing I want to ask you is just what's – the one thing of covering the beat that people don't, that fans don't necessarily see about the process that goes through it. Everybody that's out there that, like you said, that tight knit group of guys that gets to watch practice during OTAs, Mm. that you become that conduit to let us know what's going on. What's the one thing that you 
like the most that that fans not necessarily would be surprised to find out, but just the behind the scenes stuff that they don't see that you really really enjoy. Um, before the pandemic, I would have said the locker room interactions yeah. that every conversation I have with the player is not immediately on the athletic.com, you know? Yeah. Um, and you know, one of my best memories was just like, again, another team bonding setting or another example, I should say of the 2019 team was that I wrote like a, I don't know, 3000, 4,000 word story about why all the cheap, like why most guys on the team love basketball okay. and the idea that they would play basketball in the locker room after practice, particularly on like a Thursday and Friday as we're, as the workloads winding down and just the idea that, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes was a point guard. Reggie Ragnum was, like, the best eighth-grade basketball <laughs> prospect in the country. Well, Reggie Raglan. Um, he's playing varsity as a freshman at crazy, high school. You're crazy. Um, you know, Tyre Matthews thinks he could play in the NBA if he was taller. You know, so there's, like, all these things that you learn. Colin about. Saunders is a legit good point guard. He's, he's he can so actually good. handle the ball. <laughs> like, it's impressive. I just, you know, if Colin Saunders puts it all together <laughs> – Man, um, you know, but he's had injuries, obviously. But like, he has yeah, a he's a standing offer of his own podcast on KCSN as soon as so he good, can. so good. Um, but I would watch these guys play basketball, and I'd be like, that's an example of them team bonding in a way that I don't know if other teams in the NFL are doing. And then you sort of ask your other friends in the in the media, like, what's going on in your locker room? Is anything like this? And, and like, most of the response I got back was like, they play basketball. Like, Andy yeah. Reid lets them play basketball. I'm like. Pretty competitive. Like, I don't know how much he knows. Like, in a two-on-two, we might not know. Well, well, Brett knows. Um, <laughs> Brett V's the general manager. He clearly knows. But Tyreek yeah. obviously played basketball a lot. Chris Jones, yeah. Travis Kelsey. So I, I wrote this whole story, and, like, those are things that, like, no one knew yeah. from a fan yeah. until it just shows up one day on the website because it's, you know, hopefully well-reported. And it gives you a little something more that, like, you don't know of. And, like, yeah. why is Patrick Mahomes doing this? After he after he throws a touchdown bomb to to, to Demarcus Robinson, well, I asked him, you yeah. know, um, and so it's those type of examples. And I think now, in in a more recent context that that fans don't see is that trying to understand the cap is really really hard. <laughs> I am not a capologist, but over the course of the years I've covered the team, I've really understood this move means A, B, C. Yep. And I'm trying to explain that to you as a reader. And it could be all three, and it could be no. Or if Orlando Brown does this, B, boom, boom. Yep. You know, when Tyree Hill gets traded, obviously I'm thinking about, hey, here's who he was as a player. Here's what it means from the draft pick, you know, sort of haul that you got back. But what does it mean from a cap and a roster-building sort of projection moving forward, even though you don't know who they're going to take in the draft right. and you don't really know how free agency is going to change now. Because, you know, within a matter of them trading Tyreek Hill, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin became a real option in about two hours' time, yeah. based on my understanding of it. Um, and obviously, Marquez has sort of mentioned that, like, hey, they traded Tyreek and Patrick called me. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, because in, like, a matter of moments, you know, you have to – there's a mechanical sort of nature of, like, this move begets this move. Everything sort of turns on a trot on, on like just on just these little moments. And yep. I'm, I hope that like our subscribers understand that like, I'm trying to be as well knowledgeable as I can. Here's how much cap space you have left. All fans want to talk about is like, do we have the cap space to get this guy? And I'm trying to answer that question, hopefully better than I did in 2018, but that's really talking to players, executives, agents, 
um, to get a real sense of it. Whereas, you know, when I was doing it in 2018, I was just like, well, they have this much. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. Brant Tillis and Chris Shea are very good at what they do. And two people you might not, you probably mm -hmm. heard Brant's names, even talked about enough, and Chris's name, but two guys behind the scenes that have more of an effect on what's happening than a lot of people give him credit for, where they think it's all Brett making all the money right. decisions and Correct. all the scouting decisions. Like he has people that kind of like in Moneyball, the Jonah Hill is like, mm -hmm. yeah, you can do that, or no, you can't do that. Like there are people in the Chiefs organization. So when they talk about this is a team effort, it yeah. honestly is. He can't be an expert in all of those different aspects. And then Brett's job, as I understand it, Brett Veach, the general manager, is to call Clark Hunt and give all the scenarios. And then what is Clark willing to pay? This is like yeah. the family's money. Like yeah. the Hunt family's money is invested into the organization. How much are you going to give? You don't have to spend all the way up to the cap. Right. You know, you can yeah. roll that money over. You know, so if a team knows we're not going to be competitive this year, but can I get 53 guys? We save a little couple mil put it towards, you know, a possible extension or if we get good or free agency, whatever. So, like, you know, I always try to remind fans, too, of, like, don't just think about Brett Veach. Think about Clark Hunt yep. and think about Andy Reid. It's, it's sort of a trio with the front office to understand, like, okay, Andy Reid might be comfortable giving Tyreek Hill X amount of dollars. Clark Hunt might not. Yeah. Guess who owns the team? Guess what? who might have the final say or have, have they – discuss these things in a more um, sort of, you know, uh, well-thought-out manner to where you understand what the what the organization's decision is and how they sort of came to it. You know, uh, there's been conversations about Arrowhead Stadium. Yep. That's a that's a Clark Hunt. And I got the World Cup. So and you're gonna have to invest, that's going to help. You're going to have to invest money into the stadium. Yep. Do you want to build a new stadium? Do you want to keep it in Missouri? Do you want to move it to Kansas? Oh, like, don't, do, don't trigger everybody, Nate. I mean, it's possible. Not a chance. Look, I mean, Clark Hunt is a business yeah. man. So I I think a lot of times Brett Veach and, and Andy Reid get the get the the gist get the overall, you know, conversation. But I also understand too that like some owners make decisions for financial reasons. Yep. There's a team in the division. I will not name that team. They make decisions based on finances, as I understand it. Oh, I we tell the story about Cleo Mack. We're talking about the same team. That it's more about it's not as mostly cash. It's it's more cash spending yes. and the budgets that the owners can put forth on what we have. And that's the same for anybody who runs a business. You have right. a budget on what you can spend. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with the owners. It's not like there's this surplus of cash for all of them. They have to stay within the cap and all of that. But mm -hmm. the Raiders a few years ago, and I think this has been put out there. I don't think this is a huge. I hope so, or we're breaking news here. But they couldn't pay Khalil Mack, and they had to trade him because they didn't have the cash to give him the guaranteed money to put into the escrow account to give him the guaranteed contract he was looking for. They didn't have a choice. So they had to trade him. Somebody should ask Rodney Hudson why he's no longer a member of the Raiders. Because mm. they might not have had the cash. So an owner makes a decision for this year that can be impactful three years' time. Yep. Or is it better now for me to use more of my money invested it in this current season and then see what the consequences, see what the outcomes are in future years. So that's what a that's what a general manager, coach, team president, and owner have to sort of weigh the cons and pros every year moving forward. And oh, by the way, what are we going to do with our stadium that's in its fiftieth season? Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And again, we are up here in Weston, Missouri, at Holiday Distillery, enjoying a little Ben Holiday bourbon, talking with. 
our guy Nate Taylor from the Athletic. And Nate, the one story I do want to say about the basketball because one of those those just little dumb things that you remember. And I honestly think you were standing by me. I'm pretty sure we saw this together. And it was Mahomes' rookie years when he wasn't starting. Alex Smith was starting. They were playing basketball in the gym, and they were doing around the world. And it was like teams, and they were competing. And Justin Houston was on one team, and he had the baseline shot. I'll never forget this because Justin Houston had the baseline shot, and Mahomes, as a rookie who's not playing, <laughs> was going up against him. And it was kind of like knockout. You know, who was going to make it first going around the horn? And it got to the last – shot for both teams and the way that they were competing and Justin shot and missed and turned around to like stare at Mahomes and Mahomes put up a shot put his hand up like this and was just staring at Justin Houston who at the time was one of the, the best guy. The, the dude guy. on the team yeah. and I'm like this rookie just completely Doesn't pimped care, the game winning shot and it didn't even hit the rim just Doesn't completely care. nailed it as soon as he let go of the ball just stares right into Justin Houston's soul and I think it was you or Matt or somebody I looked next to and I was like did you just see that I, I like that matter like yeah. that is moxie like confidence nope. that's competitiveness it. that's the it factor that you're yeah. talking about and just the you get him in a competitive environment. And he didn't care if he's a rookie. He's going to go out there and do his thing. And that was the first moment for me. Five years from now, I just want to hear Justin Houston's stories about Patrick Mahomes as a rookie because the things he did to this man in practice, yeah. the things they did in <laughs> meetings, the things the dude said. I mean, Justin Houston was like, dude, this is hard. Like, it's a hard <laughs> sport. It's a man's league. And yeah. <laughs> I know. It's I'm I'm really good. The at stories this. of the yeah, it's Hall of Fame induction when those and, and Justin, veterans are like, we saw this kid, we're like, what the hell? Yeah, did Justin. Just draft? Justin had a ton of respect, a ton of love for Alex Smith, but like in 2018, he was just like, he's even better than I thought. And, and Patrick would be the first to tell you he needed to learn the blitz pickups, and there were a lot of the mental stuff that physically he was ready, you could see it, but mentally, I remember talking to to Nagy and him um, about that about how he didn't care on a lot of reps during practice if it went to the right guy or all that. All he cared about was that he set the protections correctly. Mm. Like, he was wired correctly, and they did a great job developing him and making sure that foundationally he wasn't caught up in, did he catch this pass? That's what's successful. It's like, no, did you set the protections correctly based right. on all the looks they were giving? And there were stories about... You know, Bob Sutton, that last day of OTAs going into his first year as a starter, they just unloaded the cupboard <laughs> on him to try to stump him to make him feel like, hey, I got to study for these six weeks before I go to camp and just tore them apart <laughs> to another point. After practice, the coach was like, what the hell? Like, what are he's we supposed the, to do? He just literally tore us apart. He's literally the best statistical quarterback in the league right now against the Blitz. All right, Nate. And that's why he's not getting blitzed as much. He's correct. Too deep and make us run the ball. How about we not draw, send guys at him? The chess match of like going too deep and then them having lighter boxes and you have these these young ath or these athletic linemen who are good to get out in space and doing the screen game. And all of a sudden you go get a Trey Smith and a Creed Humphrey. And it's like, if you're going to go too deep, we are going to build a bully up front mm -hmm. who's just going to run over people. And we'll take the five yards rushing now. They consistently do it next year. We'll see. Um, but that chess match of how you set up and how teams play you is going to be phenomenal to watch. But last segment here with Nate Taylor from The Athletic. I've got five burning questions for you <laughs> going into ch Chiefs training camp. Not yeah. a lot of analysis. Give me your first quick thoughts. Who's the rookie you're most excited to watch once the pads come on? George Karloftis. Because right. he's got to be as relentless as he was in college. He's got he's to transfer that over to the NFL. And as fast as he progresses, um, could be a real difference maker for this defense. I, I'm, I'm 
I'm really interested to see how George Karloff just looks because when the pads come on, that's that's I'm that's when it's fun, man. I'm Leo Chanel. Like I cannot <laughs> wait for that dude to get. Pads. I mean, I kind of like, already know about you. Dudes, all these dudes, like, assignments I, be damn. Where's the ball? Hey, like, that might rush, be Leo Chanel. Just get a rush, Sam, who comes downhill with bad intentions, like. I can work with that. Uh, like, that's going to be. That is such a good answer by you. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The second they drafted and watch his highlights, was like, yes. Fan favorite. See game changing Go plays. get ball. Yes. And then he gets on at Fan Fest and he was just like, physicality and violence or whatever he said. And it was like, yes. I'm ready, I'm ready to tackle everybody. Yep. Yeah. All right. Storyline that's most intriguing to you going into training camp? Um, I wrote this in The Athletic. Running backs. I think the running back position is more fascinating this year than the wide receivers for the first time since I've covered the team. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Alaire in year three kinda got kinda gotta be it. You know, he's he thinks he's gonna be healthier and a little bit more durable this year. I, I spoke to him in June. Ronald Jones, kind of the wild card in the mix, veteran, really good. Won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. They they re-signed Jarrett McKinnon, who was yep. phenomenal in January. So And then Gore. Right. Who's you got the young guy who's, who's just a workhorse. Flash. Yeah. I mean, and little Poppy, I, Isaiah Pacheco, like seventh round pick, fastest running back out of the draft, I believe. Yep. Um, so we'll we'll see where, you know, that's a five man group with four spots usually. Yep. Um That's pre- what I'm looking forward to is the roster projections. How many running backs are they gonna keep? Yep. It's it's gonna be tough, man. So it, this is this is not a given to Clyde, and I think Clyde understands that, and so that that's why it's fascinating to me. All right. Favorite media meal that they provide you guys <laughs> at camp at Missouri Western at Missouri State. West. You got your room. You've got the buffet style set up on the side. What's the one that you look forward to the most, or is it the 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 barbecue? You guys get all the barbecue. Yeah, there's a special category for Zarda yep. Zarda barbecue. They they annually come out and feed both us and the players and the staff. Any, basically, anybody who wants barbecue they after bring practice, a van full of barbecue. It's and just give it to everybody. great. Um, yeah. and I don't get to Zarda a much during the regular season because I'm I, I grew up on gates i'm more like there's a joe's like 10 minutes from my house it's not great no bad but it is great (laughs) and then i think in the regular category i'm gonna give a shout out to herbie teope who had this great idea for the last day of camp like just all out breakfast and give credit to missouri western state university um and and the people who catered all the food i mean anything you wanted they (laughs) gave us it was excellent pancakes waffles french toast eggs bacon sausage i mean hash browns it was it was incredible and it was like a real send-off to like it's the last day of camp uh, i think at the time thankfully everybody was healthy on the team so you weren't writing about like somebody's you know bruised elbow or hamstring or you know yeah. i think most of the guys that were ready to go in week one were going to be ready and so it was a real celebration for all of us in the media and it was sort of herbie's idea from herbie Taylor from the kansas city star and he just sort of said can we just do this every year now and so you know they give us tacos some days it's salad some days it's you know god knows what but like um yeah all out breakfast. You get just, all the snacks in the PR room and the <laughs> fridge full of stuff. And yep, it's like, do I want gummy bears to stay? Do I want no. Reese's? None of this is healthy for me. I like, always went for the trail mix because that always went first. It seemed like trail mix is great, man. Especially when it's hot outside. Like trail mix, it'll get you through just about anything. Um, but yeah, I love gummy bears. So they they had a lot of those, and they I take gained, care of you guys. I gained a lot of calories. Yeah, 
I would, I would always gain five or six pounds like throughout it's camp stupid. just because we'd eat. Even though the, it's hot. Like internally, you eat with the players, you go on the same, like you don't uh-huh. sit with them, you sit on the different side and all that stuff. Yeah. But there's soft serve there every day. You can have a protein <laughs> shake. And um, I was all, <laughs> I embarrassed to tell this story. But like there's a protein shake and like athlete, like players obviously go get them. And if a player comes up, you get out of the way, you let the player go up because they don't have a lot of time. But the the shake that I liked the most was called the play like post practice player shake. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they called it, and it's just like peanut butter and oats and all this <laughs> stuff. So I'd walk up and it'd be like post practice player shake, and I'm like, I'm not a player though. I just I just really like the shake and the the thing. So I always felt stupid ordering the that. post reporting on practice shake. It's hot down a lot of water. Like there you go, man. It's a grind. I I drink a lot of Gatorade, a lot of water. Yeah, and walking up and down that hill. It's a lot. All it's right. gonna be a hundred degrees in St. Joe. <sighs> Favorite day. I know you're going to be there. I was going to ask if you're going to be there. I know you're going to be there because there's a lot of media availability. But move-in day. Move-in day, like, when you first get on the beat, you're all excited. Like, oh, players are coming in. And then, like, by the third year, like, we're here covering grown men carrying pillows into a dorm. Like, asking them about what their beds are yes, going to feel like. Yes. and why does coach keep it at 60 degrees in the dorm? <laughs> Which comforter <laughs> like, did you bring? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember like Spencer Ware brought like a uh, portable like fireplace and like the big screens. What? The, the local Rent-A-Center. Man. Oh, no, it was, excuse me, it was Jamal. Okay, had, yeah, like, yeah, I was Jamal like, I don't remember had the this. the fireplace. He, like, coach keeps it so cold in there. I want to warm up this room. <laughs> I was like, Though it's 90 degrees outside. No, that everybody awake that's, and, and in tune. But what's your favorite thing of move-in day outside of what used to be Anthony Sherman? Yeah, day? it used to be the annual Anthony Sherman Day, uh, patriotic America. Like, we're we are going to battle for yep. the next season. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of guys who are, like, really particular about the things they would bring. This is mostly a Mr. Schwartz appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and the guys who are like, I just brought trash bags. Where's yeah. my Pedialyte? Where's my Gatorade? I got, I got, okay, we're good. Like I, I still remember um, Eric Fisher back in the day, just bringing a ton of pillows, mm. just so many pillows. I'm like, <laughs> but the man loves pillows it's totally fine you just lay on top of them yeah the mattress yeah so it, it, it's nothing like it, it'd be the it the most normal thing that i could compare it to that we all go through is like imagine packing your bags going to your airport i'm going to go through security and then there's like 40 of us just like so what did you bring what did you do uh what what, what about you know, like the pdi gatorade get like like and yeah. there's just people interviewing you about what you packed it's, it's just it's way, so funny logistically the way it's set up is these players like they park in a lot and then they get up and then like media can only stand in a certain place but it's like walking down a red carpet where you just have yes. like lines of like, like this is not the oscars out there. there's like 20 people on each side and you're just walking down like carrying pillows and like all kinds of stuff just cameras in your face like it's like they're walking out of the tunnel like he's reporting for training like, camp 2022 hey guys, how's it going yeah yeah and some comic relief like a Mitch Morris would give you like a funny one-liner to kind of break it up but it's always like 100 degrees that day it's yeah. always the hottest day of camp yeah you're just standing outside waiting again for guys to go through airport security that's yeah. basically what you're doing <laughs> and at the same time I also love in 20 I think was this 2019 but like I think Chris Jones wanted a contract extension it did not happen and it's like is he going to be fined well he has to be here by 2 p.m. <laughs> On Thursday, got, July 25th. You got media like hiding behind the dumpsters in the back to try to get a shot of him. I will, coming in the back way. I will <laughs> give Chris Jones credit for this 
till the day we die. This man rolled up at 159 because the first team meeting, I believe, was at like 230, 215. Uh-huh. And that's with Andy. That's with, you know, everybody on the personnel side. All the coaches are there. Obviously, Clark Hunt's there. He sort of introduces you like, hey, welcome to the new NFL season. Da, 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 da. And like Chris Jones was like, I mean, I kind of want a new deal. Fine, I'll play out the last year in my deal. Obviously, he got extended. Things worked out. Um, but like, it is the idea of like, so when is, when's the first day of school? And like, when do I have to be there? I'm going to be there at 1159. And like, we saw him go through like this back door and it was like, golf clap, sir. Golf, like golf clap. What year it was, but it was one of the, it wasn't the Chris year, but I think it was before that where it was like, guys, you didn't know if they were going to show up. It may have been Jamal where there was like reports of like behind the dorm, like one of the. TV that won't name which TV station, but like <laughs> hiding behind dumpsters to try to get a shot of the player walking in because you just have to find and, any newsworthiness you can, yeah, I guess. And then you ask the, the the obligatory, so how do you feel about the season? <laughs> I mean, that's me. Are you excited to be here? It's like, no, the next three weeks is kind of going to suck, but it's necessary. <laughs> you got to come out here and do this. So, and- Missouri Western this year uh, upgraded the dorms. Your thoughts? <laughs> you know, like, it's just, it is the it is the only day where I feel like I'm working for E. Where it's just like, so, new year, new team. How you feeling, Tyron Matthew? Does this remind you of Louisiana at all? Because it's scorching outside you get like the up the hill type question he was like hey and i remember asking mitch morrison it was a great interview uh, i don't remember exactly what he said but he was like who who's the best roommate like who do you really not want to like stay with and there were guys who would get up at like five o'clock in the morning shower before practice oh, and they'd wake their teammate wow. up and they absolutely hated it um so then we did we wouldn't use that clip because it was somewhat <laughs> controversial um but finding out you figure out personalities of players a little bit more but all right final question for the five burning questions with nate taylor from the athletic who's the player that people are not talking enough about right now going into camp that you are excited about not necessarily a rookie not necessarily a storyline but just who's a player that intrigues you that you don't feel like has been getting enough pub um across the board maybe he has the athletic you're taking care of but who's the player you're excited to see yeah i that's a really fascinating question because um, there are so many new guys on the team. So I think this year it's harder to answer that question than probably before. For whatever reason right now, my mind is is and I my mind is really going towards Justin Reed. Yeah. Just because of not the fact that he hasn't replaced Tyron Matthew, but he was their biggest offseason acquisition and free agency. And, you know, He's been on a team that was pretty good, obviously, in 2019. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. But I'm really interested to see how he handles camp because he's kind of got to be a leader, but he's kind of got to understand just the organization as a whole. Like, he can't be too out there, but he can't be too – I don't think he can be reserved in a lot of ways because he is one of the older guys in the secondary. Uh, I think a lot of people will obviously be interested in the the rookies, but I don't think fans should forget about Justin Reed because if he and Juan Thornhill can can be – a good tandem, yep. similar to like maybe Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Yep. Then, then I think the Chiefs' defense could surprise some people at least early on, or they could be you know maybe maybe more consistent than they were a year ago, where they were so low, then high, and then they sort of rode the wave there in in January. But I think I think I'm interested to see how Justin Reed competes against Patrick Mahomes yep. in live settings, in pads, um, where you know. What is he good at in Spags' system? What does Spags realize and say, 
maybe we need to pare this down and sort of get him ready for the regular season. So for me, it's, it's Justin Reed because he was the first guy that it was kind of like, oh, that's where they're going, yeah. not pass rusher. Yep. And because of all the other moves since then, Tyreek Hill, trades, you know, draft picks, other guys on the team, he kind of gets forgotten about. But I, I would say Justin Reed. Yeah, for me, defensively, it's Willie Gay. And you mentioned mm. him just because he's a player that we know he's going to be good. You, we're all excited about him coming out. He's got the athleticism. It was just everything got to click. Don't put the necessarily the mental stuff that Nick Bolton's kind of taken over that. Mm-hmm. Now it's Willie. Go play fast. Go make plays. You've got Chanel who's going to have his kind of role yep. that they're going to bring her along slowly. And you got a lot of these young guys that that linebacker crew, if Willie Gay steps up and we saw it with Nick Bolton who's got his thing figured out and he's a guy that you're absolutely going to count on. Mm-hmm. Willie Gay's the one if like he makes that jump that you want players to make in that you know second to third year like it this defense could significantly improve by having those three guys um with different roles not necessarily all in the same place but uh and then on the offensive side it's juju for me Mm. and the reason why is marquez valdez scantling he's that speed receiver he's gonna take the top off of defense but juju in the way that the chiefs call not routes or plays they call (laughs) concepts yep where a lot of those windows where it's read the leverage of the safety and if he's you know, playing you hot on this side, then you stop. And that connection between Juju and Mahomes to see the defense the same way, where Juju's not the take the top off the defense. He's that intermediate route guy, yep. finding the spots in the zone, reading the leverage of the linebackers, the safeties, the corners, wherever they're at. That just takes reps and time to see how quickly can these guys mesh to see things the same way that ain't that excuse me, Travis and yes, Patrick are that's, that's so who, good at That's who I was going to mention. Yeah, they're so good at that, that the quicker that Juju can get on the same page with seeing it the same way that Mahomes does, the better. Because a lot of times you're, you're at practice, you're a fan, you see an interception thrown, like, oh, they ran the wrong route. Or that was a bad throw. Mm-hmm. It was neither. It was they didn't read the defense the same way, and he kept going when Mahomes thought he was going to stop based on where the safety was. They go watch film, and Mahomes says, in that scenario with that kind of distance, that's where I expect you to stop. Right. The quicker they can get on the same page with that, the more deadly this offense is going to be when you have two guys intermediate-wise that can find the holes. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, in the context of Juju, running alongside Travis Kelsey – that has never happened before in his career. So it's just – it's really fascinating to see, like, if I was an NFL defensive coordinator, which I am not, but one of the things I shouted at all ends early last year was, wherever Travis Kelsey is, that's where the play really starts. Yeah. I know Tyree Kill's excellent. Yeah. They're going to get to him. You know, he can do a lot of different things. But as far as the coverage and understanding what the other side was doing – how in the world are they covering Travis Kelsey? And now if you have that question with the addition of someone who's skilled, who's big, who's athletic, who can run all these little shake routes, all these little option routes, um, like Juju, man, it's a lot of one-on-one opportunities, a lot of opportunities in zone and space yep. where maybe you can make the first guy miss and all of a sudden six-yard catch becomes 13, 14, you know, 20 yards. It'll be really fascinating, especially in the red zone, too. Um, I think yeah. Travis Kelsey gets so much attention in the red zone for obvious reasons, but that opened up a lot of things last year for Jody Fortson. Yeah. It opened up a lot of things for Clyde at Rizalera at times, and now maybe Juju Smith-Schuster is that next guy to sort of benefit from just the presence of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Three years in, I'm going to still say Clyde Edwards Alaire in the passing game and the screen game is something <laughs> I expect to see because of his lateral agility, his ability to make the first guy miss. I said it when he was drafted. I expected him to be a bigger part of the passing game. Said it last year. Expect to be a bigger part of the passing <laughs> game. I'm going to keep 
pounding that until it actually happens because <laughs> you can't cover everybody. And the one thing with Mahomes that I think a lot of people have made this point, and I completely agree with it, is when you have Tyreek, you have the most explosive player in NFL history in his prime on your team. You want to get him the ball and you don't have to force plays to him. You don't want to do that, but you're not do, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't try to spend time to try to figure out a way to get him the ball. Well, that doesn't hamper Patrick Mahomes, but it doesn't take advantage of something that Mahomes to this day has still not gotten enough credit. And again, it's that mental acuity of playing the position, reading a defense, mm-hmm. and very Alex Smith like. The ball goes to where it should go based on what the defense is doing. Yes. And now it's going to open more of that up for Mahomes where it's not, we got. let's figure out a way to get the ball to Tyreek. Let's read off Travis. If it's not there, let's go to Tyreek. He's going to step back, read a defense, and be like, ball goes here. He's got that didactic memory. He knows the coverages. He knows what teams are trying to do. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to see that mental side of the game that, again, we all get so caught up in his physical abilities that <laughs> what he can do mentally, I think, will be on display this year. I'm not saying he's going to put up the same numbers. I'm not saying we're more explosive without Tyreek Hill because we're not. But overall, do I still think they're going to put up 30 points a game and be one of the highest scoring teams in the league? Yes. Uh, Tom Brady was pretty good after Randy Moss left New England, right? I mean, I'm just, you know, he's pretty pretty good. They didn't win anything with Randy Moss. True. Now. They put up some really good numbers. They, they should have won. They should. they should have won. But, but it hey, doesn't but make hey. my point. Like, no, I, I get to make I'm, that I'm point because they point. didn't win anything no, I'm adding, when they had I'm, him. So. I'm adding to your point because I, I think that's what I've tried to explain to a lot of people is like, you're going to watch a game. It's going to be September. Tyreek Hill's going to do what Tyreek Hill does. And I know, Chiefs fans, I know, I know. You're going to feel it. You're going to be like, he used to do that for me. He used to do that for us. <laughs> but what is the final score? Yeah. That's, that's like what is going on in January. The Chiefs are playing a sport where September through November is experimentation. Things get real after Thanksgiving. And then they try to go win it in January. So um, I know I – know I know Tyreek Hill is going to do something crazy that's going to drive Chiefs fans nuts, but that's okay, you know. Yeah. Tom Brady did well with Rob Gronkowski and without Rob Gronkowski, without Randy Moss and with Randy Moss. And I've been told by our fearless, amazing producer, Tucker, that we've been talking for an hour and a half. (laughs) So this is the longest podcast in KCSN history, but I absolutely love this conversation. The one thing we can't say about Tyreek Hill as a Chiefs fan is if he drops a pass or a ball bounces off his shoulder pad and goes for an interception, Chiefs fans will see it on social media because <laughs> fans will make sure that everyone sees those plays on social media. But don't wish anything ill will for Tyreek. Yeah. I want him to go out and have a great season. Hopefully the Chiefs go out and have a great season. But to the point that we brought up an hour and a half ago when we started this show is that he's put a lot of pressure on Tua. He's put a lot of pressure on his head coach, Mike McDaniel, and the rest of that uh, Dolphins staff and the guys in that locker room. Yeah, and I'm just ready for the season. Like, this conversation has got already got my brain going, and yep. now, now I'm ready to get up at 6. I think I excited you when I talked about Leo Chanel getting, getting up there the to hit somebody. I mean, if Leo Brian should, Cook. If Leo Chanel, yeah, I mean, they're – it's really it's a really hard group to sort of single out because they're all they're all really interesting. But it, it, having this conversation, and I hope for you know the audience get you ready for camp, and hopefully I'll be there every day, every step of the way, uh, trying to provide you know insight and information just like you guys are. And I appreciate everything that you guys do. And thanks for having me on. Of course, I couldn't uh, couldn't do it with a better crew. And uh, yeah, I will I will definitely be back here when the cameras aren't on. You heard it. Again, let us know in the comment section. Yeah.
If you want to do more of Nate Taylor at the distillery, I know you'd love to come up here. It's an amazing place. Again, thank you to everybody up here at Holiday Distillery, to Matt J for taking care of us with these bourbon smashes with the new Ben Holiday bourbon. Again, you can find it around the Kansas City metro area as long as it doesn't sell out. They've got the next next batch uh, coming out here pretty soon, but make sure you go ahead and get some of that bourbon right there because it is absolutely excellent. And the reviews, not just take it from us, you read the reviews, they've actually been phenomenal from whiskey, bourbon, yes. Experts around the country, they absolutely crushed this launch. So make sure you take care of it. Take care of a local company. And, uh, yeah, thank you for everybody for listening to this episode of Sometimes Weekly. We will be back again in less than two weeks with another special guest. And that interview will be taking place at Kauffman Stadium. So you're going to want to check out that one. And we will see you guys next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com